The following podcast contains spoilers for The Florida Project. You have been warned. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to KFR News Radio, and this time it is actually radio. I am your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Migusto. Hola. Hello. Nostrovia. Hi. How are you doing? Pierogies. Pierogies. <laughs> How's it going? It is going, my friend. How's yeah. it going with you? Not too bad. We had an unplanned little hiatus there, uh, mm-hmm. mainly the chaos of the holidays kind of caused us to uh fall behind a bit nothing nothing too serious but uh yeah i guess we're just gonna jump right on into it glenn are you ready to jump right on into it as usual i am as usual so uh it's been a while since we talked so you might actually have something to bring up this time around have you seen any movies in the past (laughs) two weeks or however long it's been that you uh think we should uh discuss i have watched uh at least two or three movies um one of them I'm actually saving, so I cannot repeat until later. Okay, um, okay. I did see 1917. Uh, we call that here in the biz a uh, testicle festival. I mean, a spectacle <laughs> testicle. What? I don't I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, a technical I, I, spectacle. <laughs> there we go. I saw it, too. It's definitely... Uh, I was talking to our, our good friend John, uh, mm-hmm. who we used to work with, or I used to work with. I think you just know him through me. Yep. Um, about 1917, and yeah, te- uh, technologically, it is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the story is a little, you know, n- I don't want to say dry. It's just it's been told before. Yeah, you know, the whole got time to save people whole thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, Roger Deakins and Sam Mendes killed it on the uh, technological front, and like you said, a technical. Testicle, Spe- exactly. Testicle spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that the only one that you saw that you wish to discuss? Uh, it is the only no- noteworthy one, I should say. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I saw... I've been watching a lot of foreign movies since the new year. I just, I've seen. Um, it started off unintentionally, and then I was just like, you know what? Let's just make 2020 the year of foreign movies since We're America going, is... Going is, for the kick. America's fucked, so I might as well learn another language while I'm at it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the first one I saw was a Korean movie called A Taxi Driver, uh, not to be confused with Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the poster, it looks like a, a nice comedy, uh, you know, and that's exactly what I was expecting. I went in not watching the trailer, not reading anything about it, just looked at the poster. I was like, that guy seems nice. And it's also the actor from Parasite. So I was like, I've seen him and stuff. I know he's a good actor. Yeah. And holy shit, did it, it it hit me like a bag of bricks. It was way more emotional than I thought it'd be. Ooh. I'm not going to say anything more than that. Was it highly, a, at least a comedy? Parts of it. I would say like the first 30, 45 minutes and then parts sprinkled throughout were funny. Okay. But it's definitely not a comedy first. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. It's one of... Uh, one of the better films I've seen. Um, I mean, all South Korean movies that I've seen have been at least 
good, if not amazing. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's definitely leaning towards amazing, in my opinion. Uh, then I also saw. Uh, I'll just I'm I, I've seen a lot, but I'm only going to mention a few. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw Little Women, which is not foreign, but it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. I did watch half um, of that. It's actually pretty good. You know, I mean, obviously, it's we're not exactly the target audience. Um, yeah, but it's even even I I've seen bits and pieces of a lot of the other ones. Of course, it's one of those films that's or a book adaptation and. It's, been adapted like three or four times already Mm -hmm. uh out of all the ones that i've seen bits of this is definitely by far the best one and it seems more developed uh greta gerwig directed and wrote it and it's got an amazing cast um but yeah i really enjoyed it saw 1917 of course and then i just saw uh one of the first january movies of the year uh so you know, January movies are usually not that good, but this one was actually pretty surprising. Yeah. Underwater yeah. with Kristen Stewart. Did it uh, live up to what John Clark had said it was? Um, John Clark is a horror apologist. John, if you're <laughs> listening, I apologize, but you are a horror apologist. I apologize for your apologies. <laughs> uh, it is it is good. It, I, I actually really enjoyed it, but technically speaking, unlike 1917, it is a hot mess. Um, it's hard to know exactly what's going on the majority of the time. Um, you don't know. Obviously, being a horror movie, people die. You don't know who died when until like 30, 45 seconds later. So it kind of takes away some of the emotional impact of that. Um, but it is. It, it was an enjoyable movie. I, I didn't dislike it. Uh, it had a lot of oh, oh shit moments. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It's not amazing. It's nothing to write home about. Um, I'm not yeah. a horror. I'm not a horror apologist like John is. Uh, <laughs> there's but, there's this guy at work who literally any chance he gets to see me will talk about horror movies, <laughs> and like, I I'm not a huge horror guy. So like, mm-hmm. like I enjoy some good ones, but like yeah. he well, seems to have it in his brain that I like all aspects of yeah. horror. Movies. I think you and I are the same where we don't seek out horror movies. Yeah. Um, but the ones that are really good are usually up there in our favorites. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, like, I I really do like the horror genre, but it has to be good for me to like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, like, I'm not with, one of those people who just family, like they're the horror people. Go talk to yeah, them. Like, yeah, I, I, I see uh, literally my, anything. Eugene versus Humanity played at a horror festival, and I was just so out of place. <laughs> Everyone was talking about all these really bad horror movies, like they were like the greatest thing ever, which is of great. Course. I'm glad that they find enjoyment in them, but I, I was the entire time I was just like, we are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so Underwater for a January movie, it's actually pretty solid. Uh, you know, I again, I, I get I have the Regal Unlimited, so if you have the Regal Unlimited, you know, fuck it, go see it. Uh, I don't know if I would have been happy if I paid thirteen dollars for yeah. whatever the ticket price is now. Uh, but yeah, if you have a chance to see it in theaters, theaters obviously do enhance the viewing experience. Um, and you don't have, if you don't have to pay, that's even better. But uh, yeah, of course, mucho surprising on that front. Uh, but yeah, so that that does it for the. I mean, I've seen a lot more since then. Yeah, uh, but we'd be here all day if we were talking about those. So <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Oscar nominations. Okay. Uh, the Oscar nominations for this year, or technically last year, came out 
this morning. Uh, I actually took off work for it because I'm insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> took off just to look at the Oscar list? Yep. Wow. Um, well, I mean, I watched them announce it live. Yeah. Um, and uh, better than last year, as we know, last year was kind of terrible for the Oscars. Uh, they kind of went too safe. Um, I'm not saying they—they they definitely were kind of safe in in this sense or this this year, but last year they were trying to appeal to like the masses, which which one one Green Book one last year Green Book, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine, but it's not it's definitely not the best picture. Uh, but I just wanted to go list off some of these categories. Uh, we're gonna start with directing. Uh, we're only gonna do the major ones, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, directing. Uh, they got Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the one that was actually a pretty big risk, and I love, and I hope he wins, even though I know he won't, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when the last time a foreign film was nominated for uh, directing. I feel like it was probably a more in uh, 2012 or something like that. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, they don't normally do foreign films for directing. Um, and out of all those movies up there, that one's definitely my favorite. Oh, same here, same here. Uh, I personally think it's probably going to go to 1917 just because everyone's up Sam Mendes' ass for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's technical spectacle, <laughs> testicle uh, alone. <laughs> I think it, it deserves things, but not directing. I, I would say definitely cinematography, but not directing for that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of cinematography, we got uh, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, which I was really excited to see, uh, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, nothing super crazy except for The Lighthouse. Um, I think that's A24. I'm always down for Roger Deakins to win. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, no, th- th- 1917 fully deserves cinematography. It deserves all the technical awards. Uh, directing, I feel, is more for acting, which... The acting was good in 1917, but uh, I, I think it could have been, yeah, uh, could have been better. Um, it, it got better as the like in th- there's key moments, of course, in it that were it was really compelling. But there's only so much running and and heavy breathing that I can take and be like, oh yeah, that's great acting. You know, no, you're just running. <laughs> that guy's actually out of breath. He's not acting out of breath. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm, the, I'm not, trying not to sound too cynical, but I. <laughs> It's it is what it is. Uh, let's see. We got in supporting actress Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, marry me, um, Margot Robbie for Bombshell. What <laughs> I didn't just say that. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's uh yeah, nothing too crazy there. But yeah, it's really funny. She's dating Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's a, that means that's a thing. older man's still got a chance. You got still a chance, got a chance. Betty. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. I feel like yeah, same. people weren't talking about her enough. Um, for actor and supporting role, we got Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once, a time, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I'm really happy to see Al Pacino and Joe Pesci there. I think they're both really good in The Irishman. Kind of hope Al Pacino gets it. I don't think he's won one. Ever? I don't think so. Let me let me check that real quick. Um, I feel like he's probably been nominated. Maybe it's his first nomination. I don't even know. Uh, I could be com- 
confusing him with someone else. Oh, no, he's won an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> forget what I said. Um, Joe Pesci, I don't think. No, he did for uh, My Cousin Vinny. It's probably going to go to Brad Pitt, but... I mean, yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't deny Brad Pitt getting it. Yeah, but, uh, he's. I mean, he's he's good in Once Upon a Time I in haven't, Hollywood. I haven't seen Two Popes or a Beautiful Day in the I personally so I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Quentin Tarantino's weakest movie in a while. Um, a lot of people seem to disagree with me, but that, yeah, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> then we got actress in a leading role, uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Where's Florence Pugh? F- for Midsummer, I don't know. Where the f- where the f- it's p- <laughs> the the Oscars don't like horror for some reason. Um, like her cries in that movie alone. <laughs> her yeah, her wailing. I think uh, if I'm honest, her face probably did it. Like her her sad face at the end when she's mm-hmm. forced to decide between a stranger and her uh, ex boyfriend. Um, but she does that same face in Little Women, so. Uh, Where's the nomination for Midsummer? Like you kidding me? You kidding me with this? <laughs> yeah. Um, then we got actors in a leading role: Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix Joker, and Jonathan Price The Two Popes. Uh, I think we all know it's probably going to go to Joaquin Phoenix, but uh, uh, pretty much anyone other than Leo, I would be happy seeing. Not that Leo doesn't deserve it; he's just already won. Uh, Antonio Banderas might have won already too. I'm not sure. But I like seeing people who haven't won before. So yeah. Adam Driver and Walking Phoenix, I'd be happy with either of them. Uh, and then Best Picture, we got Ford versus Ferrari, which I don't know why the fuck that's there. <sighs> not that it's bad, it's just not great. Uh, then we got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, out of all these, I'd be happy if it was Jojo Rabbit and Parasite. Uh, but it's probably gonna go to 1917. Yeah, I think for me, I, I want Jojo Rabbit first, Parasite back, and it's it's that's really tough because I enjoy both those. Like if if I could have two number one spots, they'd both be there. Yeah. The only thing is like the genre difference, and that's what mm. hits me hard. I'm like the Ugh. the one thing that I the only like I like Jojo Rabbit more than I like Parasite, but Parasite would be the first foreign film to win Best Picture if it wins. Mm-hmm. which would be a huge historical moment for the Oscars and make the Oscars that much more interesting. Yeah. But I just don't think it's realistic, unfortunately. <sighs> that would be nice, though, I swear. It would be, yeah. But that does it for the Oscar nominations, at least the big ones. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, what what else we got on the agenda? You wanted to talk about uh, director's cuts. Uh, yeah, so a week ago when we were going to uh, do the podcast, this was kind of a big thing going on for some reason. Uh, so Dominic Monaghan of Lord and the Lord of the Rings and Lost fame, mm-hmm. and apparently now Star Wars, uh, has been highly, highly demanding that there be a director's cut released for Rise of Skywalker. Uh, which I don't know. I don't know why, but a lot of actors have been like. I mean, no, I understand why. Obviously, the movie's not getting the praise it should be should be getting from the actor standpoint. But a lot of movies lately have been, like, getting a lot of actors screaming for director's cuts. Yeah, most noticeably uh, Justice League. Yeah. Um, Which would definitely probably help uh, that case. 
I mean, Justice League is such a disaster. I can only imagine it would get better with the Snyder yeah. Cut. Um, I'm not one of these people that hates on... A lot of people hate on Zack Snyder for some reason. I think he is a I fine... I think uh, it was more or less actor. Warner Brothers trying too hard there. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, people often forget that he made 300 and Watchmen, which are some of the best comic book adaptation movies that have been made. Even, even uh, Man of Steel was a fantastic movie, in my opinion. I didn't care for Man of Steel, just, but I also don't like Superman. Like I, I also think, have a super soft spot for Henry Cavill, so... Yeah, you do have a super soft spot for Henry Cavill. Here we are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got that. I am of the opinion that director's cuts, for the most part, will always be better. Um, yeah. Just because they are, uh, you know, they, they know the story they want to tell, whereas studios don't really give a shit about how good it is. They just want it under a certain amount of time so people don't let the time get in their way of buying tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is understandable, as as we know, film is a business, and that's why they often release director's cuts on, on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, but, you know, if you, if you want to sell tickets, fuck the people that will not go see a movie just because it's long. Yeah. Like, if, if people really want to go see a movie, it doesn't matter how long it is, within reason, of course. If it's, like, a four-hour-long movie, people won't go see it. Um, um you know, unless it's like done by Martin Scorsese, I certainly would not go see a four hour long superhero movie um or a four hour long Star Wars movie, probably yeah. not even a four hour long Scorsese movie, but you know I've done crazier things, so well, who knows it's <laughs> but uh yeah I, I I just wish people didn't focus on the the run time too much uh studio wise and let directors make the films they wanted to that's make. what intermissions are for exactly like. Bring back intermissions. I I, I I have such a understanding. Let me pee after my movie screening, yeah. and then go watch the movie again. Yeah, <laughs> I I have such a like love hate relationship for how studios run movies now because they used to have intermissions. I understand why they don't anymore, but like if you have a long movie, just do it. Do it. Just, just do it. <laughs> My boy Shia. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm. I I would not be opposed to seeing a director's cut of uh, the uh, the Rise of Skywalker. But also, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. It's it, it's most likely going to happen to a DVD. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you see I, Rise of Skywalker? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we discussed it. That's right. That's right. I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I would not be opposed to it. Yeah. I mean, just wait for it to happen on DVD. Don't, don't brag about. It. I don't know. It's also yeah. not my place. I don't care. Whatever. It is your place. But that was my news. That's all I got. That is your news. So that will bring us to the film of the week, which is the Florida Project. Okay, I warned you. One drip and you're out. Oh come on! Out now. It's gonna melt outside. It's melting inside too. But Bobby. Out. <sighs> Thank you very much. You're not welcome. The man who lives in here gets arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyways. Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream. Yeah. Why do we? Here you go. Hey, 
Kate, got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. And water balloons thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! I failed as a mother, Moni. Yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. Written by Sean Baker and Pris, Chris Burgosh, and directed by Sean Baker, starring Brooklyn Prince, Willem Dafoe, uh, Christopher Rivera and what is her name? Bria Venete or something like that. Uh, set over the summer, the film follows a precocious six-year-old Mooney as she courts mischief and adventure with her ragtag playmates and bonds with her rebellious but caring mother, all while living in the shadows of Walt Disney World. Um, yeah, so I saw this when it was in theaters uh, two years ago, a closer, uh, close, well, yeah, about two years ago. Yeah. Um, and this, the same thing with this time around, Willem Dafoe is by far the best part. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I, the girl who plays Mooney, Brooklyn Prince, she's she's also really, she's annoying, but she's supposed to be annoying. Yeah. Um, Little I, child. I, I think she does a great job. Um, but I, I wanted to rewatch it again because I feel like I wasn't in the right mindset the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love Willem Dafoe. I will see anything that he makes. And, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to rewatch this and um, kind of get your take on it as well as re-experience it for myself. So uh, what did you think of The Florida Project? So what I thought of The Florida Project, uh, obviously, like you said, I thought uh, Willem Dafoe was by far, by, far, by far the best part of the movie. Um, the kids, they were great. Um, Mooney specifically was definitely my favorite of the kids pile. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom, uh, she played, she was great. Uh, what's what was her name? Um, Maria Venate. Haley. Haley, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was an asshole, and she played one very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, did I hate her? Yeah. <laughs> and if that was obviously the goal, she kissed the goal. She <laughs> killed it. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, overall, obviously, like I said, Willem Dafoe was the best part. He was kind of like the guardian angel, for lack of a better word, of the whole. Yeah. Uh, hotel, motel, holiday inn, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the magic um, castle. Yeah, he was definitely the funniest, the most caring, the the character you cared about the most. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everybody else f- was just shadowed by him, yeah. in my opinion. Well, there's and, a good reason for that. He's the Other than Caleb Landry Jones, he is the only actual experienced actor. Mm-hmm. Caleb Landry Jones playing... Uh, they never really go into the it relationship. It seemed to be his son. His son or nephew or something. Um, but uh, they're the only two experienced actors. Uh, and so that kind of explains why he kind of acts circles around everyone because he's the only one that, you know, does yeah. it for a living. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely kills it. Uh, I think films where... I, they try to create a realistic world by not having actors. It, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I feel like most of the time it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, this was closer to working than not working, but I feel like it also took me out of the film a lot. Where uh, you know, I, I just kind of wish they found actors. Like Everyone always acts like actors can't act for some reason. So they they go and get real people, and then those real people can't act because yeah. they're not trained actors. Uh, Sean Baker does that a lot, I feel. Um, so yeah, I, I I have like a, a 
confusing relationship with this film because there's a lot of it that I like, but a lot of it that I don't like. Not not in any way. Like it didn't seem like it was like wasn't a project. Like the people there definitely felt like they belong there and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. Safety Brothers are really good at the what you just said are like using really non actors. Yeah, their films. I feel like that's because they don't use non actors in prominent roles. Yeah, um, that that also works a lot. Yeah, and 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 Sean Baker, I feel like he has them in very prominent roles, like uh, the the actress who played Haley, which she's an actress now because she she's kind of transitioned into acting. Mm-hmm. But he found her on Instagram, and like she wasn't, at least to my knowledge, she wasn't acting. And yeah, um, she wasn't terrible. Like she was she was good when you consider that she she's not an actor. Um, but I feel like it did more of a disservice than a. Uh, a a positive a to it yeah yeah. yeah yeah um and then the end and then the end man and then the end <laughs> uh, what the, like, the, I, for the most part i really was enjoying this movie not like yeah. over the top or anything but i was enjoying it enough and then the mm-hmm. end is what really took me out of it altogether are you talking about the, Dis- the Disney very land. end where they run to disney yeah yeah um I think more than anything, that was just to show that all of this heartbreak and tragedy is uh, working or happening in the shadows of Walt Disney World, which is often designated the happiest place on Earth. Even even says it right there in the synopsis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so, so, like, I get what the director was trying to do. I mm-hmm. don't think it worked. I don't think it was executed. Um, like, if they had talked about it more or were, like, looking... I guess the is that where the, like the helicopters were coming from Disney? No, the helicopters. So I I lived in in Central Florida. I lived about a half hour drive from Disney World uh, uh-huh. when I was in college, and they have a lot of helicopter tours that kind of just take you uh, a lot of places. Mostly, most of them go around like the outskirts of Disney World, but Disney World is a no fly zone, so they yeah. you, they can't get too close to it. Um, so you you see those all the time along the strip in in Orlando and in Kissimmee uh where there's just like helicopter tours and people go and take helicopter tours all the time. Mm. Um so it it the thing that Sean Baker does really good is he really shows you the world. Like I felt like I was back in Florida when I watched that yeah. that uh that orange store that they're hanging out a lot that is shaped like an orange. Mm-hmm. Um that's actually a real place there. I've never been inside, but we used to call it the orange boob because uh, it looks like an orange boob. Of course. Um, <laughs> but he, I, he, he definitely does a great job of creating <laughs> the shittiness of Florida. I'm sorry to any, yeah, no, anybody he, from Florida. You definitely felt like you were learning the area of the projects that yeah, was there. Not, not everywhere in Florida is shitty, but there's a lot of shitty parts in Florida, just like yeah. there is everywhere. But because of the humidity and the tourism, it's especially shitty and tacky uh-huh. in Florida. Um, and and yeah, th- that's one thing I do like about it. As much as I did not like living in Florida, um, it kind of I did have a slight weird nostalgia for it, even though I hated living there. I, yeah. I, I can't really explain it. Like I, it kind of made me miss it in a way, just because it is really weird and kooky. And oh yeah, that's like me seeing stuff for Virginia. It's like I lived there. Yeah, ah, yeah. I was there. You, you, the, like the uh, the one store, it's a gift shop, um, with like a wizard hat. 
Yeah. Or a guy, uh, just a giant wizard. All those tacky buildings I've, I've seen. Um, but the the reason that the the footage for that scene is so poor and so out of place is because obviously Walt Disney World was not going to let them film there. Of course. So they did it incognito with just say like a GoPro on a on a gimbal, um, and followed them in. So even like texture wise, the film looks different than the rest of the the movie. Yeah. Uh, but it it definitely, I feel like it could have been more powerful. This is where I thought Haley's character was flawed, or, or um, j- from a writing standpoint, it would have been re- it would have been more impactful if she was sad that Mooney was being taken away and not angry. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get that it it's it she would be angry. A lot of people would be angry in that situation, but she doesn't change throughout the entire thing. So why should I really care? Like, it's the right thing for her kid to be taken away. Yeah. Why should I care that her kid's being taken away? I'm I'm upset that Mooney's sad just because Mooney. It's not no, Mooney's she's fault. A, she's a small child. She's a small child. Nothing is really her fault. Um, and, but like, other than that, why should I care? Yeah. And honestly, you really shouldn't. <laughs> she yeah, was a crappy yeah. I, person. I, I was really hoping, rewatching it. That's what I remember thinking the most. Watching it the first time, you care more about how Willem Dafoe feels about the whole thing than you do yeah. how, how the mother feels. Like you actually see pain in Willem Dafoe's eyes. He knows it's the right thing, mm-hmm. but you see pain. You don't see any pain in Haley's eyes. She's just kind of a bitch about the whole thing. Yeah. Um. And I'm not saying that that's not realistic, but like. It's a film. Oh, let it's me, for sure realistic. Me, yeah, <laughs> let me have some character arc or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that she has to be like, oh, this is the best thing for Mooney. But she like, could at least give off the traits that she is being a caring mother. Yeah, she in give some them, sort of aspect. that she cares and that she's sad about it and not just angry. Yeah. Because um, even when she's even when Mooney was the entire thing, like yeah. it's it's not a, it's not a change if she's angry at the end because when she's angry at the beginning. Because like, even when Mooney was crying and she was yelling at the uh, the the the, oh, the Jesus um, Christ child, child services, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was like, "You're just gonna take my kid while she's crying? Oh, you guys are taking my kid and making her cry? Oh, see what you guys? It was just a, she was just being a shitty person just to be a shitty person." Yeah, yeah. and again, very realistic, but emotionally, why should I give a shit? Yeah, like if I if I saw that happening in real life, I'd be like, I don't want to be around here right now. Yep. I mean, I'd be like that if if I saw, not that I would want to watch a a mother have her child raped away from her if she was crying, but (laughs) it'd be a little more empathetic if it were that way. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Willem Dafoe is great. Uh, I think the cinematography in it is absolutely beautiful. Um, The kids, while annoying most of the time, they were pretty funny from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially uh, asking for money for ice cream and such. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that twisty treats that they go to mm-hmm. uh, is a uh, first of all, don't Google twisty treats because it's also the name of a porn website. Uh, I learned that the hard way in in uh, when I first moved down there, trying to see the menu at twisty KFR treats. KFR is here to be educational, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's so close to being a fantastic, amazing, nearly perfect film, but I feel. Because he went for realism over emotion, it kind of falters in that sense. Everybody. She's about to cry. I can always tell when adults are about to cry. 
We just talked about the Florida Project. If I, you, I mean, you know, you just listened to us, so you know this. So that will bring us to the judgment. Uh, as always, since I picked the Florida Project, I will go first. You know, I go back and forth about putting it on the shelf or not. Um, just because there is a lot to like about it. I like independent films. I like the ambition behind it. Willem Dafoe, as always, is great. Um, so... I'm going to put it on the shelf for Willem Dafoe's performance in itself. <laughs> Damn you. Damn what? you. What? I was going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it goes on the shelf strictly for Willem Dafoe's performance and the cinematography. I, but I was going to say something a little slightly askew from what you were uh, saying. Well, we'll, we'll act like a... No, what it's fine. It's thought? fine. It's um. <laughs> I was gonna say Willem Dafoe gets the shelf boy instead of <laughs> instead of the movie. <laughs> but Willem Dafoe always gets the, the Willem shelf Dafoe boy. shelf boy. Yeah. So I guess that means you're gonna put Florida Project on the shelf as well. No. No. I am actually not going to. Um, <gasps> okay. Overall, it it was a good movie. Um, like I was entertained for the most part, but I wasn't yeah. ever sitting there going yeah. like this belongs on a damn shelf boy uh i did i really enjoyed uh willem dafoe but i feel like uh like this didn't like grasp my interest in any future ever thinking about it again i got you if uh that makes sense yeah i mean the only reason that i wanted to rewatch it was because of willem dafoe yeah uh if i ever do rewatch it it will be because of willem dafoe um I wish there was just a way Obviously we could just not put saying his that face. it wasn't a good movie. It's it's a good movie. The yeah, problem is it's it a good movie, like, but a twenty four brings more punch with other movies than this one has. Yes. Um. So yeah. Okay. Well. So the Florida Project does not go onto the shelf. Our first uh, one since we've been back. To yes. Not get a shelf. And boy. you know what? That's fine. But Willem Dafoe will always have a place in our heart oh, shelf. Oh, yeah. He's um, a heart <laughs> shelf. Heart <laughs> shelf. So that will bring us to. Uh, the plugs for next week, I guess. I think um, so. So, uh, my plug for next week is a video on YouTube by the Criterion Collection, uh, and it is called Josh and Benny Safty's Closet Picks. Uh, Criterion Collection has a lot of uh, videos where they just have directors, actors, what have you, go into their closet and just pick out a bunch of movies that they want to take home. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they pay for them or whatever but that's not the point you it's uh you see them really could talk about the films they love and all that and josh and benny safty's video for it a you'll get a lot of movie recommendations from them even movies a lot of movies that i haven't seen i probably only saw like two or three of the ones they point out and and b you see two brothers bickering over if they've talked about a movie or not jesus benny this is embarrassing can't leave with that put it in the bag benny look at my bag don't put it in my bag. Why? Look at my bag. All right. Put, like, put them uh, in a different... <laughs> I'm, bar- I'm uh, 
we're gonna put back most of the stuff, which is just for the sake <laughs> of the the video. Uh, and it's like that kind of just adds a whole dynamic to it that's kind of really charming. And you also see their passion for film, which is great. So uh, yeah, Josh and Benny Safdie's closet picks on the Criterion Collection. Peanut, I know you love the Criterion Collection, but I'm gonna need you to be quiet <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube. Um, what's really funny is I was going to also pick a Safdie Brothers uh, video. Uh, mine was actually going to be uh, something for the behind the behind the scenes of the soundtrack of Uncut Gems, but oh, then yeah, I, I found this cute little uh, this cute little number that I've seen a year ago, which is always fun to listen to. Um, so this guy basically made a song out of uh, sound bites from uh, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> and it's, it's what I was singing earlier. And uh, it's Robert Downey Jr. going. He makes this song and it's, it's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> and kind so who, of a banger. So Who's that by? It's uh, I'm a Dude RDJ Tropic, Tropic Thunder Extended Remix by Yuri Wong on YouTube. It shows how he makes the makes the song and then the song itself, I uh, believe. Maybe maybe this video is just the song itself. But regardless, it's a it's a really good song, really funny, really actually good to listen to as well. Cool. So I'm a Dude by Yuri Wong, uh, Tropic mm-hmm. Thunder Extended Remix, specifically RDJ, Tropic Thunder Extended Remix. RDJ. And Josh and Benny Safdie's Closet Picks in the Criterion Collection on YouTube. Those are both of our picks, plugs, what have you for for this week. Uh, that brings us to our next week's film assignment, Mr. Master Glenjamin Benjamin Warren. Mr. Master Glenjamin Benjamin Warren. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve a plaque with all of that on it. Now. I, I will get you one. Uh, um, what, what is the what are the what is our assignment for next week? All right, so I felt like I had to do it to you eventually, and oh, <laughs> and I actually was kind of waiting for the right moment to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the weekend, I watched a a movie called A Silent Voice, uh, which is a Japanese animated film. Ugh. <laughs> and it's not it's not it's not really like cringy anime or anything like that. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not it's just Japanese animation. So, a young man is uh ostracized by his classmates after he bullies a deaf girl to the point where she moves away. Years later, he well, sets off uh, sets off on a path for redemption. Um obviously, I wouldn't recommend this without a good cause cuz I know you're not the biggest fan of such things. Yeah. I've heard uh, this one is good, so I appreciate you picking it's a good one. It's actually really freaking good. I mean, in my opinion, I'm not trying to spoil for the next podcast <laughs> or anything. Uh, written uh, by, oh, why did I do this to myself? Uh, Yosh- Yoshitaki Oima. Yes. Uh, directed Suffer. by <laughs> Directed by Naoka Yamada. Stars uh, Miyu Arino. It's, I'm not even going to keep going. Just, it's, it's listen. Get ready. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Get ready. I'm I'm going to rewatch it. I did watch it Saturday, but it. Well, we got some words to speak later. 
And the funny thing is, because this is uh, anime and anime is such like a niche uh, t- genre, this will probably get our most listens out of any episode of we've had. Of course. So I'm a little bitter about that. But you know what? We're going to make a fucking video about it to try to get that YouTube views, too. So Might as well. We'll see. I'm not I'm not above selling my soul for the for fame and glory. Um <laughs> So our, where can we watch that? It's Netflix. It's going to be on okay. Netflix. Netflix sponsors. Perfect. So A Silent Voice, available on Netflix. Netflix sponsors. Please. Uh, that will be our assignment for next week. If you do not uh, listen and watch or watch and listen in that order, uh, Glenjamin Button will hunt you down and find you. Uh, but that will do it for us until next week. As always, you can follow us in, on Instagram, Keystone underscore film underscore review. Facebook, we are Keystone Film Review. Twitter, we are Keystone underscore film. On Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week. Goodbye, everybody. So long.